0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I appreciate you all joining me today. Today I want to talk about the difference between two different ways of experiencing something. Same thing happens, but we can experience it two different ways. One we can enjoy, there can be total bliss and fun and so much so that you don't want to quit and you just can't get enough of it. On the other hand, there can be the same experience that we experience that can cause sharp, deep pain that hurts you, and you want to get away from it. Think of a little child, maybe a toddler, not wanting to do something that its parent knows is good for him. But the little child just digs in and refuses and maybe throws a temper tantrum. Well, a good parent will gently take them, even kicking and screaming, even with the toddler hurting themselves. And the good parent will take them and lead them to the beneficial outcome. And there will be the same end result as if the child had gone willingly, but two different experiences for the child, one joyful One not joyful and even painful. So... The last episode that I did with you all a week ago, we talked about imagination. And that's going to tie in with what I just said. Last time we talked about imagining Jesus' attitude and the disciples' attitude and everybody who's with them, their countenance. When Jesus went around doing good and helping people and healing them and delivering them from demons and stuff like that, we imagined them just laughing and smiling and high-fiving each other and in the, seeing this tortured person being made well, people with, you know, mental challenges being made in their right mind and all of that kind of stuff. Well, we're going to look at the fact that sometimes when those things happen, other people saw and were involved in the same experience, but they didn't respond the same way. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8, both this week and next week. Today, we're going to start out in the beginning of Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to use the Passion Translation, and Brian Simmons starts it out with this heading. He says, Jesus ministers throughout the land. And verse uh, 1 of chapter 8, it starts out with, soon afterward. Well, we know, of course, now that when the Bible was written, there were no chapters, there were no paragraph breaks, there weren't even sentence breaks. So while we call this the beginning of chapter 8, it's actually all one big thought. And so we look back to what goes before it in what we call chapter 7. So soon afterward, that's soon after Jesus healing and forgiving a number of people, going around and doing good things to a lot of people just in one day, which brought multitude, multiple times of celebrating and great joy and happiness and rejoicing for most of the people there. Then it says in verse 1, soon after that, Jesus began a ministry tour throughout the country, visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. Now, I don't want to gloss over that term. We're going to refer to that quite a bit today. The wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. Do you remember one time Jesus was speaking to a big crowd full of religious people, Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, people who didn't believe in Jesus, didn't like Jesus. They thought Jesus was a fraud. They thought they knew the truth. They didn't know what they didn't know. And so they're trying to trick him. And they ask him, they said, well, when is the kingdom of God or the kingdom realm or the kingdom of heaven? When is it going to come? And where is it going to come? Jesus said, I can just see him doing this kind of with a twinkle in his eye saying the kingdom of God. Well, it's already here. It's in you. And they had to be gone. What in the world is he talking about? Inside of them, Jesus said, see God's kingdom realm. is not about us going to heaven someday in the sweet by and by. No, Jesus said the kingdom of God is here Right now in you and in me. I mean, think about that. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Well, we're going to look at some of that today. We're going to see because the Holy Spirit is giving us light. God is pure light with no darkness. And the Holy Spirit in us is shining light on what the kingdom of God really is. The verse goes on to say that the 12 disciples traveled with him and also a number of rich women who had been healed of many illnesses under his ministry and set free from demonic power. They rejoiced in their healings and their being set free, and they believed in Jesus so much that they went with him and they used their wealth to support him, just like many of you support different ministries, ours here in Lawrence, Kansas, and in other places. All right, remember again from last week, imagining what it was like for the disciples, for these women, the great number of people who were with him, every time, which happened every day, every time Jesus healed somebody, set somebody free, made somebody well, restored something to somebody's sight, uh, hearing, whatever. There was just great joy and hilarity and dancing and celebrating. They were having fun. In verse 4, it says, Massive crowds gathered from many towns to hear Jesus, and he taught them using metaphors and parables such as this. And some of you know, this next parable starts in verse 5. He says, A farmer went out to sow seeds for a harvest. As he scattered his seeds, some of it fell on a hard pathway and was quickly trampled down and unable to grow and became nothing but bird seed. Some fell on the gravel, and though it sprouted, it couldn't take root. It withered for lack of moisture. Other seed fell where there was nothing but weeds. It was too unable to grow to full maturity, for it was choked out by the weeds." Yet some of the seed fell into good fertile soil, and it grew and flourished until it produced more than a hundredfold harvest, a bumper crop. Then Jesus added, shouting out to all who would hear, listen with your heart, and you will understand. Listen with your heart. That's for us today. Listen with our heart. And we're going to talk about what that means. Not listen with your human ears. See, our human ears provide information to our mind from our five senses, from things we see on the news or hear or read or whatever, or smell or taste or touch or whatever. That's what our human ears do. But our heart, our spirit, our inner ear listens to a different source, the source in us the kingdom of God's source in us, the Holy Spirit of Christ in us. Verse 9. Later, his disciples came to Jesus and asked him privately what deeper meaning was found in this parable. He said, you guys have been given a teachable heart to perceive the hidden mysteries, the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. But to those who don't have a listening heart, said, my words are merely stories. Even though they have eyes, They're blind to the true meaning of what I say. Even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. Now, you have to understand, when Jesus did that teaching, Jesus' teaching was done still under the old covenant of the law. And he said they don't have a listening heart. We know that as a result of Jesus' finished work at the cross, we all died with him, we all raised with him, we were all given new hearts with him. We became new creations. And the writer of Hebrews tells us what had been prophesied in the Old Testament. We now have new hearts, new, pure, faultless hearts that are right with God. Now, of course, that's not talking about the organ in us that pumps blood. They didn't understand that in those days. They thought the heart was the center of who we are, of who a person is, that it was the real us, that it was like our spirit. Well, When Jesus said this, people don't have a listening heart. They didn't. But after the finished work at the cross, everybody does. Today, we are all new creations. We are all new creations in Christ with new hearts. Verse 11, here then, Jesus said, is the deeper meaning to my parable. Now, look at these four words. He said, the word of God. It's so important that we know what the word of God is. It is not what I was taught growing up in a religious setting. The Greek word there is logos for word. Remember. The Apostle John wrote in John chapter 1 that Jesus is the living word. That word was logos. Jesus is the living word of God. I like what Brad Jerzak says. He's an author, teacher from Canada. He said he believes in the inerrant, infallible word of God who started growing a beard when he was about 18 years old. Jesus is the living word of God. Words In Scripture are words written by men about God, but they are not the word of God, Jesus. And John makes it so very clear in the first chapter of John that Jesus is the living word of God. Where is the living word of God today? In you, speaking to your heart. You can read and hear words written in Scripture or from a pastor or another book or whatever or a Bible school to whatever, but until the Spirit of God reveals them to your heart, to your spirit, they're just like stories, gobbledygook. It's a completely different concept than hearing with your mind. So in verse 11, Jesus says, Here then is the deeper meaning to my parable. The Word of God... Jesus' spoken words. Now, when Jesus said that in Aramaic to them, they knew exactly what he meant. I mean, it it wasn't uh, ambiguous at all. The word of God, Jesus is saying, the words I speak is the seed that is sown into hearts, not into our mind. He said the hard pathway represents The hard hearts of men who hear the word of God, but the slanderer, and here Brian Simmons tells us in the footnotes for that verse, the slanderer is the one who slanders God, who tells our mind that God is not good, not pure love, not pure light not pure joy and peace and grace and goodness. And of course, the slanderer also slanders us, but primarily he slanders God and tells us that God is not good. There's a dark side to God, whereas Jesus said, no, God is pure light with no trace of darkness. Jesus speaks to our heart. The slanderer who presents Adam's dark, angry, religious, small g God to us speaks to our mind. He doesn't have access to our heart, just to our mind. Jesus said the slanderer quickly snatches away what was sown into the hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation, being made whole. The seed falling on the gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy, but soon afterwards, when a season of harassment of the enemy and difficulty come to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth, and their faith is temporary. See, he says, they give more weight to what's in their mind, what they've believed before, the careful, systematic theology they've built up in their mind before than what they're hearing from Jesus in their heart. Verse 14, the seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, the living word of Christ in their heart, but but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares. Those cares are in their mind. It's choked off by the riches of the world in their mind and the fleeting pleasures of this life in their mind. And Jesus says, that's why they never become mature and fruitful. Then he goes on to say in verse 15, the good news, the seed that fell into good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts, their hearts, not their minds. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. Jesus said, this is the seed, this is the living word of Jesus that will one day bear much fruit. It's not us by our false beliefs or even us by our own efforts that bears much fruit. It's the living word of God in us that doesn't come back void, that bears much fruit. Now, here in the chapter before verse 16, Brian Simmons inserts the subtitle, The Revelation Light. That's a good subtitle. Jesus said, nobody lights a lamp and then hides it, covering it over or putting it where the light won't be seen. No lamp is placed. No, he said, the lamp, instead, the lamp is placed on a lampstand so others are able to benefit from its brightness. And Jesus said, because this revelation lamp now shines within you and with all of us, because of Jesus' finished work at the cross, nothing will be hidden from you. It will all be revealed. Nothing will be hidden from you. Every secret of the kingdom, Jesus said, will be unveiled and out in the open, made known by the revelation light of Jesus' spoken word. He is the light that brings light to all men. See, when we let go of what we believed in our mind, then Jesus, the Logos, the living word of God, the light, starts revealing every secret of the kingdom. In my case, and in many of yours, he started with revealing grace to us, and then grace to all people. And then Jesus finished work at the cross. And then inclusion. And then God being pure light in every way with no trace of darkness. All this progressive revelation that he just keeps being made known to us, revealing to us by his revelation light. So in verse 18, Jesus says, So pay careful attention to your hearts as you hear my teaching. Listen to Jesus, the living word of God, speaking to your heart. and Pay careful attention to it. He says, For those who have open hearts— even more revelation will be given to them until it overflows. And friends, I see that. I see that in many of you and lots of other people. We're being given more and more revelation every day and it's just overflowing. We are overflowing with joy. We talked a lot about that last week. And Jesus says, for those who don't listen with open hearts, what little light they Imagine to have will be taken away. Now, we're learning that there are always many more deeper levels of meaning description than just the surface level. If you just look at that from a surface level, which I did for a long time, you can think, oh, wow, whatever understanding I have of God could be taken away and thinking it would be taken away forever. And therefore, I'd be I'd have to go to hell. It's not what he's saying. For those who do not listen with open hearts, what little light they imagine to have will be taken away. Now, let's see the good news of what that means. When we imagine something to be true, to be ours, because we've invested time in it and we've come to the conclusion that it's true and we've believed and trusted people who have told us that, we don't want that belief to be taken away. So we grasp it and we hold on to it tightly. We just simply don't want it taken away from us at all. Those who don't listen to Jesus' words with open hearts, what little they have imagined to have will be taken away. I I was in that situation for a while when a good friend of mine started revealing grace and unconditional love to me. I imagined that it was Not as good as he was saying. So I held on to my imaginations and I couldn't understand what he was talking about. But then came a time when I was willing to let that go and listen. Adam and Eve were the first to imagine. They imagined lie they came up with these lies they imagined that god is angry and offended at people not true they imagined that they needed to fear god and hide from god and that god couldn't stand to be around them and that they were separate from god not true they imagined that god wanted to punish them not true they imagined that god didn't love them anymore because they disobeyed him not true They imagined that, well, if there's something we can do to appease God, if we can come up with some ways to get him to like us again, then then that'll be good. (laughs) Not true. That's the beginning of religion. I want you to listen carefully. When we, when you and I, when we don't listen with open hearts, these imaginations that we have are going to be taken away. If we have an open heart, we just let them go, we release them, and they are taken away. They're going to be taken away one way or another. Having an open heart is a willingness to like, open our hands and let go of what we've imagined to be true about God. Just, God, I- I'm willing to let all this go, Show me what's true. He'll show us the things that were true and he'll reveal to us the things that were false. And he wants us to let go of the things that were false. So when we do that, I mean, every every one of us have some remnants of imagination of God to be somewhat, either a lot or a little bit like Adam's dark religious small g God. And it's hard for us to let them go. Our mind puts up a fight. But if we relinquish them, and listen to Jesus and see and here with our pure, open heart. We get more and more amazing revelation of love and grace and joy and peace every day. We metanoia. We're willing to change our mind 180 degrees. And that's fun. It's exhilarating. It's exciting. It's full of joy. It's peace. It's not hard at all. Or... We can cling to it and hold on it tightly and defend it and rationalize our imagined concept of Adam small g God and the Holy Spirit in us, all powerful power, will take those things away, but it will be a struggle for us. We will be the one that's struggling. It can be painful. It can seem like we're going through hell. All our world's crashing down on us. You know, we're struggling against the truth, and we can become angry when we hear the truth and don't want to give up what we think is the truth. That's the difference between walking in the light, being a pure light walker, and walking in the darkness. Pure light will overcome and take away darkness, reveal darkness, expose it, illuminate it. Our mindset makes the difference as to whether or not that's a pleasant, joyful, full of grace, peace experience or a hard struggle. Jesus with the Apostle Saul. The Apostle Saul Saul. Well, he wasn't an apostle then. Saul was one of the Pharisees, the chief of the Pharisees who were against Jesus, didn't believe him, thought he was a fraud, thought everything Jesus was teaching was wrong. Saul had a mindset, a dark mindset he bought into adams dark concept of god hook line and sinker and he had this he'd had the greatest training the greatest schools he had a great intellect a great mind and he had built up in his mind this whole systematic theology of believing in adams dark religious angry god and he wasn't about to let that go but jesus did what it took with him he appeared to him in a blinding light inside of Saul, so much so he knocked him off the horse that he was riding. He blinded him and Saul saw Jesus inside of that light. And he said, who are you, Lord? Jesus said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? Saul said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. So Jesus went on to say, Saul, it's so hard for you when you kick against the goads, G-O-A-D-S, Acts 24, 14. That's the King James translation. He said, Saul, Saul, it's so hard for you when you kick against the goads. Understanding what that means is so important for this whole concept. They used oxen to do most of their heavy work in those days. They didn't have any machinery. They used oxen to do their, their plowing and pulling wagons and all kinds of stuff. You know, an oxen is, you know, a big cow <laughs> uh, and, you know, heavy, big, thick skin and all that kind of stuff. And they had what's called an ox goad. It was a long pole, six eight feet long, and it had a sharp piece of iron on the end of it, sort of like an arrowhead, very sharp piece of steel or iron on the end of it. And the farmers, the people with the oxes or people who were transporting things, they would use it to gently prod the ox into the direction they wanted it to go. Like if they're taking a load of something into town in a wagon behind an ox, they'd come to a fork in the road and they would gently prod it the way that they wanted it to go. And the oxes were, for the most part, they were trained and they would follow that willingly. Because if they didn't, the only way that they had to rebel was to kick with their feet. And if they would kick against that goad, it would stick in them. It would pierce their thick skill, and it would hurt. It would be painful. And eventually, they would have to give up and go ahead and do the right thing anyway. But now they got this bleeding pain in their side. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, Saul, Saul, it's so hard for you because you're kicking against the goads. Now, we can do the same thing with Jesus. Jesus lives in us. Jesus lives in our heart. He speaks to our heart our spirit, the real us. So the takeaway from that is when we hear him speak, when we hear him speak the truth and it's contradictory to some remnant of darkness that we have thought either about ourselves or about God or about other people, we can take that gentle prod from Jesus and go, oh, okay. And we can let go of that false belief that we've had before, not fight against it and rejoice in that, wow, I didn't know you were that good. That's amazing. And you'll be ecstatic and full of bliss and joyful. Or, we can fight it. And we can go, no, no, Jesus, you, you can't be that good. I'm not going to go with that. You 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 can't love everybody. Your love can't be never ending, wh- whatever it is. When we do that, it's like we're kicking against that goad. We're fighting. Now, Jesus, like the good parent with the little child, is going to gently continue to lead us. Even if we go kicking and screaming, he's going to stay with us as long as it takes for us to have an open heart and a pure heart and believe in what he says. Now, here's the difference. If we go kicking and screaming, it seems like hell. We're resisting him. We're going against the grain. We're kicking against the goad. And he's not hurting us. He's not punishing us. He's not condemning us. He's continuing to gently prod us in the right way. But we're fighting against that so much that we cause pain in ourselves. We end up getting angry and frustrated and disgusted and, and uh, all of those things. Or if we're willing to just let go, of things that we've been taught or come up with ourselves, and say, Jesus, show me what the truth is. Then when he shows us those things, if we willingly accept them, if we believe what's already true, if we take what's already ours, it's a blissful, joyous, freeing, healing, celebrating time of goodness. So we have that choice. We can go kicking and screaming, or we can go willfully and enjoy it. The result is going to be the same. Those wrong thoughts that we've had will be taken away from us because God's love is never ending, and it never fails. And God is above time. God is Totally patient. God has all the time in the world, and He's going to keep using that gentle prod to prod us along until one day, whether it's in this life or the next, whether it takes a thousand years or a thousand eons or 30 seconds, He's going to do it. I advise the 30 second way because as soon as we do that, life becomes a continual, deep seated joy and more and more blissful revelation all the time. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. I appreciate you being with me. We're going to continue in uh, Luke chapter eight next week. We're going to go into a little more depth and see this thing with Jesus healing the demoniac. And we're going to look at how, what it means to be in our right mind. Thanks for being with me today on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us,